This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. I'm not going to sit here and you know, guarantee what the result of the game is going to be, but I think our effort, our structure, our the way we think the game should be a lot better. It needs to be because clearly Ottawa's feeling really good about themselves, and rightfully so, the way they're playing. You know, we just got to see it firsthand, and and now Florida got to see it firsthand. So we're coming up against a hot team, and it should be uh, this will be a challenge, but one we're looking forward to. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to the game tonight for a lot of different reasons. We want to see the Lightning continue to munch points, which is a common phrase used <laughs> in the hockey you, circles, Dave. I think you love that phrase almost as much as John Cooper. Do you I think did a I column, do? I did a column. Munching? referencing munching points i put it in the title Incredible. but it was kind of an homage to coop and to you i think you fall in love with that phrase i probably have it I is lunch have. power lunch so <laughs> munch rhymes with lunch i'm and already that's hungry what we do we do with our lunch we do we do but i, I reminds me of pac-man lunch. right just <laughs> oh my goodness still one of the greatest games i know of all time there's no doubt about that I I am I am of the generation where I remembered when it first came out. I believe I'm, I'm probably speaking a little bit out of ignorance here. Someone's going to be like, "No, the first evidence of Pac-Man was 1965, well, okay. four years before you were born." That's okay. They can they can okay. shoot us a, a tweet. I think I think I was there for the first arrival of the arcade game, and. I don't know if you had this, if you played arcade games. Not talking about video games. Like, you yeah, were arcade in an arcade. Yeah. You had your quarters, right? Yes, yes. And people would actually place their quarter on the machine to hold their spot. Really? And so, oh, well, see, there you go. Interesting. Back in the old days, <laughs> before you had these newfangled ways of doing things. That's yeah, when you like, walked to school. You'd walk to school in the snow three no, miles up, three walk, miles back. I right? walked to school. But so let's say, okay, and Ms. Pac-Man was very popular, gotcha. too, which came yeah. out a few years later. But let's say, you know, Pac-Man was the game, and there was somebody playing. It's like, well, I want to be next. No, you're not next. Look at these line of quarters on here. I don't really remember how people identified whose quarter was. I was going to say that's a serious honor system, right there, isn't it? It is an honor system. Yeah, it was. Wow. It was a simpler time, my friend. Listen, a I simpler time. I do remember the arcades, and that was a lot of fun. You'd go to the mall with your parents, and your parents would be like, "Hey, do you want to go to the arcades?" They'd give you a few quarters. And I remember the one game that I used to play a lot. And if our if our audience recognizes this reference please chime in do you remember akari warriors they were like little rambo figures and one was red one was blue and you basically just you know went into the jungle destroying things but i mean it was obviously very very <laughs> See, that was past my my yeah wheelhouse time of yeah playing arcade games and that was probably that mid 80s that was probably mid 80s so you were yeah. i mean you were what in high school then probably right college yeah, depending yeah. on which mid you're talking about, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Thank when God. I was when I was a kid in in that time, at that time in my life, when I was going to play video games with quarters, yeah. And you know, you go to the movie theater and they'd have sure. the, the games there while yeah. you're waiting for your movie to start. Asteroids was very big. Space Ooh. Invaders very yes, big. Yes, that was good. Do you guys have a uh, a console, a gaming console? We do. We have a Wii, which okay. gets right. some use. Uh, my son got a switch a few years ago, and that 
to him is probably the greatest present he has ever received. He's ever received. <laughs> yeah. And then we See, allowed not... him we allowed him to move from playing the switch in the common area to his bedroom. Which I don't know how wise of a parenting move that yeah. was in retrospect. I feel like every parent he probably appreciated faced, it very yeah, much. I think every parent eventually allows that to happen. Yes. You know, we're not at that age yet, thank goodness. You yeah, know, and so. maybe your girls will be the exception, but I have a feeling yeah, this is more knows? of a, 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 a son thing it or could a boy be. thing. Yeah, it could be. You, you're right. But not it across the board. No. Not across the board. There were, girls that, there were girls that put their quarters down, yeah, I remember. More power to them. Anyway, yeah. Pac-Man liked to munch munching. pellets. Munching. The Lightning have done very well in the John Cooper era. Of munching points. Of munching points. And we love that. And we're hoping they get two tonight. that for a five-minute I was going to say, I thought you were going to say, how about that for that or, segue? Yeah, that, that was, was an off-road journey. <laughs> Let's get back on the hockey Hockey well, you know, nicely I, paved. I, you know, we've got some tweets from yesterday that I want to get into. Ottawa comes in playing well. I do think, and I think, Dave, you hinted at this. You may agree with me. My sense is, and by the way, no lineup changes tonight. So whatever you saw no. a couple of days ago, it's going to be the same lineup. My sense is the Lightning are going to have a better game than the one we saw in Ottawa a few days back where they lost for a variety of reasons. I just think last game of that road trip, Ottawa played really well. And maybe that was more of a, you know, you hear this phrase a lot, scheduled loss. I don't know if I'd buy that. But I, I think if there was one, Dave, you could have made a case that Ottawa game was that. I've got to think, though, the Lightning, as we've seen this team do a number of times over the last couple of years, they will have a better effort tonight. And I don't know if they'll win or lose. We'll, we'll find out. As we've said before, I think maybe what's keeping Ottawa from really being a, a pain in the butt to play against and being a team that maybe can compete for a spot in the playoffs, they're not there yet, certainly on the defensive side, but I think goaltending. And I think if they get some pretty decent goaltending, we have seen, that's a pretty good team. They've got mm -hmm. some young players who can play. And as we've seen in today's NHL, even the teams at the bottom can hurt you if you're not playing as well as you'd like. But I, I, I don't know how you feel. My sense is I think the Lightning... Understanding, too, you've got a nice road trip coming up. I think they'd like to get two points here, Dave, before they go on a, a pretty pretty tough road trip with some pretty good teams coming up. Well, there's no doubt they'd like to get two points before heading out to play, at least before the season, the two teams that were regarded, if not by everyone, then by me as the two top teams in the West, Colorado and Vegas. That may still prove to be the case. And unless something weird happens, they should be not – kind of bracketed in the same division the only way that would happen is if one of them ends up as a wild card team which would mean that if they can get through their division in the playoffs they they would meet in the conference final I'm getting way way ahead of myself here I mean Minnesota has something to say about it too and there are a lot of other good teams in the west but that's a tough trip and then of course it ends with Arizona which has not had a good season but that's the end of the trip and the lightning have had trips end in Arizona where they've lost in past years you can look it up if you look at the lightning's game by game record over the years arizona has not been a friendly building for the lightning in recent seasons and they always seem to play arizona the last game of a trip whether it's a three-game trip or a five-game trip or whatever so from that standpoint yeah i think they'd like to to get two more points and take care of business at home and if the ottawa senators didn't have their attention after the first meeting between the teams I think the Senators have their attention now after they shut out the Lightning last Saturday and 
put a snowman up against the Panthers. So, look, I mean, we can go back and and find the, the past, you know, additions of power lunge but when we saw the senators the first time i know i came on with you and and was singing the praises of some of their young players in terms of how good they looked with the puck batherson in particular really impressed me and he's got seven points in the last two games three of them came against the lightning then he had a four-point game against the panthers norris is a really good player i think we knew about kachuk but that's their top line that's a good line that's a really dangerous offensive line. Connor Brown looks much better to me in Ottawa than he did in Toronto, which is not to say he played badly in Toronto, but I think they're using him more in Ottawa. And he impressed me. This Stutzla is a young player, but he went, what, third overall? Yeah, he's a couple of years ago. I like his game. Yeah, he's a like good player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they scored last year. You look at their numbers, I mean, I think Brown had 21 goals last year. Norris and Batherson both had 17. I should look it up. I'm, I'm kind of going off the top of my head here. Their problem last year was, and they, they were way out of it. I mean, they weren't even in the running in the Canadian division. Part of it was they lost every single game to Edmonton. But they could score last year. The problem was their, their team defense and, I want to say, their goaltending Without having watched them, I'm not sure how much of it was goaltending and how much of it was team defense and what the combination was between the two. But again, this year, I think their their biggest issue, aside from the fact that they had a massive COVID outbreak and they had to play a lot of games before they got to, to miss a couple and get healthy, their biggest problem, they went 1-10-1 in November, which sunk them. And that's an awful, that's an awful month. Yeah, and in I today's mean, they, NHL, they had their COVID issues. Yes. They had their COVID issues in November, but even before they had their COVID issues, they were losing games. I mean, they, they had one guy out when the Lightning saw them at the beginning of the month. The first guy to go out was Austin Watson, and the Lightning won that game. They had lost other games around that Lightning game still in the month of November before they started reaching like five, six, seven, eight, nine guys out, but that certainly didn't help. But you look at their numbers, Greg, and what has been the Senators' problem? It's been team defense. They are still, and I say still because they've gone through two games now with only two goals against, they are still 32nd in the league in team defense. So how much of that is Matt Murray, frankly, and how much of it is the team in front of him? Like they have some talented offensive players when they have the puck. <laughs> But when they don't have the puck, they struggle. Now, they did not struggle as much without the puck in the game last Saturday against the Lightning. The Lightning had a lot of possession in the first period, but I thought the Senators dug in defensively, and then and then the Senators managed the rest of the game well after they went up 3-0 early in the second. So maybe their game is rounding into form, and perhaps not coincidentally, Anton Forsberg has won five in a row. So... They're, maybe they found a guy that's going to give them some stability at the position. I think so. I think and, so. And too. their team yeah. now is is healthy. By healthy, yeah. I mean like this. Their COVID issues are behind them for now. I say sure. for now because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? How about today? There's some news coming out right now, but I, I want you to finish. Your yeah. Thought. So just so just yeah. what I'm saying is the Senators are trending upward. I think that that much is clear. 
They made some savvy moves. They got a lot of good players in the Eric Carlson trade, one of whom was this Norris, who's their first-line center. I think they've done some 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 good drafting, essentially, but, I mean, you don't want to swing and miss when you have top five picks. And they've had a few of them now. So when you, when you pay <laughs> with a subpar on-ice product and everything that goes into that, loss of enthusiasm – hurts you at the box office, everything else. What do you get? Well, you get high draft picks. You got to you gotta cash in on those. And I think outside of the fact that this number is still not very good in terms of their goals against, like we're starting to see, they're getting some players. They have some players in the fold. And if you aren't ready to play, you could get stung. And... I think the Panthers got stung. I'm not sure the Lightning got stung. I, I do think at the end of a trip, once it was 3 nothing, the Lightning didn't have as much push the game last Saturday afternoon. That should not be a factor tonight. But it doesn't mean the Lightning are going to win. I mean, we played the clip from Coop. He's like, we need to be better. They need to play at a high level tonight. If I they agree. They get points out of this game. You know, Senators when, are when, feeling good about themselves. When, when somebody asks that question, a team who struggles defensively, and you ask somebody who covers the team, typically the response is going to be, you know, it's a little bit of both. It's bad defense, and they're not getting yeah. great goaltending. And, and that's fine. I think that's the... Clearly, they had a problem with Murray, though. Yeah, and... I, so with I his wanna, goaltending. So I, th- I think they for me, just, you know, people like to hear our opinions and, and maybe not always give the... Not that that's the politically correct answer. There's nothing wrong with that answer, but it doesn't... People want to know, okay, well, 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 which one is it? Which one is it more of? I, I actually think, in general... Particularly if you have a young defense, those guys, it takes some time for them to to just be better positionally, to be where they are as a professional. You know, Kyle Foote, I think, went through that. Mikhail Sergachev is going through that. It it happens. I actually think good goaltending, Dave, can overcome some of those issues on the back end. And, you know, let's let's bring it right home to Tampa Bay. I mean, before this run of back-to-back cups, I think it was fair to say at times the Lightning's defense was a bit leaky. But how many times did we see Andre Vasilevsky, particularly that record-setting regular season they had when they lost in the playoffs to Columbus? I mean, how many times did we come away thinking, boy, Vasi really saving that game? They they were just, and it was collectively, like the forwards weren't great with the puck at times, and maybe defensively they weren't as solid as they needed to be. But I thought that was a case sometimes of whatever the numbers were defensively might have been a little bit misleading because Vasilevsky, I thought, was the difference in most of those instances where their defensive numbers looked pretty good. Yeah. And I think I think in general, in the NHL, yes, you want to be solid on the back end, but especially if you have some younger guys breaking into the lineup, it may take some time for them to feel comfortable with where they should be on the ice. I actually think if you have a really good goaltender, that can overcome some of those issues. And Matt Murray, I think this may be rock bottom for him because there had been a slow decline, Dave, ever since that last cup run for Pittsburgh and it just it never he never was an ascending goaltender after the second cup for Pittsburgh and it was a slow decline and it was some things that might have been positionally it might have been glove side whatever it was the Ottawa Senators still felt like there was something in there to trade for him but I got the sense that Murray didn't like the way management dealt with him coming back from an injury and and maybe Mm -hmm. rushing him back. I think the team looked at it and said, you know, we thought you'd be a lot better at this point. 
So Matt Murray, I think, has some soul-searching to do, but I, I think that was a bigger blow not being able to develop a goaltender than maybe some miscues, Dave, they had on the back end. Not to say both weren't an issue. Can't have somebody stopping the puck there. You're not going to have a chance. And I think maybe it's not a coincidence that the Sens are getting some decent goaltending and they've been a little more competitive. So something to keep an eye on. Well, yeah, and Forsberg was very solid. I'm not sure that they asked him, and this goes to your point about is it goaltending, is it team defense? The goaltending can really help leaky team defense with terrific goaltending, and okay team defense can be exposed if the goalie is not making the saves that you're asking him to make. But I think the game last Saturday, Forsberg was not overly taxed. Lightning also hit two or three posts in that game. But when they needed him to make a save, he did. So just to follow up, Brown had 21 goals last year. And the the line that is right now, the top line for Ottawa, Kachuk, Norris, and Batherson all had 17 goals last year. In 56 games. Like, that's not bad. They scored last year. In fact, Norris has 14 goals already this year. Three away from his total last year in far fewer games. So for them, it's about how are they defending. And I think for the Lightning, they want to have the puck way more than they did in the second half of the game on Saturday and force Forsberg to make more tough saves. Yes. Fair point. All of it, no doubt. And the Lightning looking to maybe exploit some issues there with the Sens defensively tonight. We'll see how that plays out. Again, pregame skate show starts at 6. Puck drops at 7. In between, I'll have the uh, network pregame show. Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com is going to be coming up here in about 15 minutes. We're going to talk to him about a number of different things, the Lightning, how they're playing, Ben Bishop and uh, Bish retiring from the National Hockey League. We kind of gave you our thoughts on that the other day, and uh, Eric had a piece on that. We want to get into that with him. Uh, also, too, the, the COVID stuff's not going away. Uh, Nick Kiprios, uh, Steve shot me the tweet, and it was the one that I was going to read to you, Dave, while we were, we were yeah. talking about the Sens. They're dealing, the Panthers are dealing with COVID issues. He said, as of now, their game versus the Kings tonight has not been postponed. Kings' entire group has just been tested and awaiting results. Panthers so, have, like, what, five or six guys? Yeah. Now, of course, they're testing every three days. So when we say five or six guys, and it sounds like the league is going to be going to daily testing. But if they're only getting tested every 72 hours, maybe it wasn't all six got it in a 24-hour span. Sure. It's just that between the last test and, and the next test, six players tested positive. And I'm saying six. It might have been five. I know Verhage was in there, and so was Gouda. He was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, for sure. Those two guys were. And so this isn't going away. And I know maybe some people grow tired of talking about it, but this is, I think, the biggest story in the NHL this year, along with the Olympics. I think they're, they, they kind of yeah. go hand in hand. What struck me about this, and this is a little bit different of a conversation, Dave, and you know we can get back to whatever we want to get to, but I, hearing John Cooper and watching the press conference yesterday along with Alex Kalorn when he was asked about COVID and some of these outbreaks, I don't know if you felt this way, and I'm going to bring this up to Eric as well. I got the sense that Coop, by his body language and what he said when it came to the outbreaks, was that I don't know what more we can do. And I, I almost got the sense what he was trying to say is, I mean, if you want to enter these protocols again, we can, but at some point we've got to figure out how we're going to deal with this. 
And I got the sense that was my reaction from Alex Kalorn as well. Is like, I haven't spoken to anybody yet from the league. We're probably going to be on some calls here in the next couple of days for sure. Uh, I it was almost like I don't, I don't know what there's left to do. And I got the sense, you know, he said, I'm sure guys are going to be pretty frustrated if the, the protocols tighten, you know, and it was just kind of, I guess we're going to have to deal with it. I think it's, I think it's a fair question to ask at this point, because I, I don't know, Dave, if this model is sustainable when it comes to the health of the league and no one intended there that, you know, you can continuously postpone games or have a team put in a position where guys are sitting marquee players and it really affects their game that night against an opposing team understanding that they have to sit out because they tested positive I think it le- uh, for next year because I, I don't know if it's going to happen this year I, I just my gut tells me I don't think anything is going to change in terms of loosening things up I think if anything things are going to tighten I do think it's a fair question to ask for the league and it's it's viability moving forward. And I think all sports teams, Dave, are going to have to face this question. With the number of players that are vaccinated, at what point, especially if you test positive and are asymptomatic, I think maybe it's a different story if somebody has slight symptoms or bigger symptoms. But if you're asymptomatic, you tested positive, everybody else around you has been vaccinated. And maybe at this point, You've had a booster shot. I, I don't know. But let's say for sure everybody's been vaccinated. Do we just have to play on and move forward? Because I'd be curious to know, maybe it's in a private moment at this point with the players, if they tested positive at this point but didn't have any symptoms and they were vaccinated, if you gave them the choice, knowing how hockey players are, Dave, would they choose to play? And I'm wondering if that eventually is going to be the conversation for next year. Like I said, I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think you're kind of in the season now, and I think this is where they are, uh, unless something drastic happens. I, I don't think that's going to change. I just don't know how sustainable this model is. And I'm wondering, just kind of in life, if you've taken the precautions and you're willing to play, is that something that just ends up happening? Because I just I don't know if we can continue to postpone games and put players in this position too, where you know they're frustrated, they're sitting out, or you know maybe you're dealing with a bubble scenario again, and just a lot of restrictions. I'm curious. I'm curious if that's going to be something we see for next year. I doubt we see it this year, but I'm that's the thing that struck me hearing Cooper talk about it in Kalorn. I don't know if you had any different reaction to it or where you come down on maybe some of that thinking? Well, there's no question that, that Cooper's frustrated. Cologne is frustrated. Stamkos talked too, and, and he sounded frustrated. And I'm sure that that is a word that could be applied to a lot of people in the league, both players and in management. So here's where we are in agreement. We are in agreement that it is not, ideal for the league to be postponing games and I have real questions about how uncompetitive are you making the playing field when you're asking a team to 
either dress six, seven guys who are not in the NHL because you have this outbreak within your locker room and or like Carolina tonight has to play with 16 skaters due to some, you know, element in the CBA about who you can call up. And, you know, there's a one game you have to play short that happened to the Lightning last year, if you remember. I think it's worth exploring ways to amend that, particularly the part about playing short. But, of course, that kind of runs in the face of what I said a second ago, which is, all right, if you're going to add two more players, those two players are probably late on NHL experience or, you know, they wouldn't be in the NHL otherwise. That's a real problem, and I don't know what the answer is. Here's, I think, where we diverge because you've brought up this notion of if you're asymptomatic and you test positive, how is it different than, you know, having an illness where where you're not really spreading it because you're not sneezing or coughing or whatever, or if you had the flu and, the, and your symptoms go away, you should be able to play. And I think that that's been kind of accepted through the years. I just don't think that that is going to happen as long as there is the possibility that somebody was knowingly put on the ice as a carrier, even though that player may be asymptomatic, gives it to another player, and what if that player has a tough outcome? By tough, I'm talking about, like, you know, Brandon Sutter hasn't played yet since he got it. Now, he was not vaccinated. The vaccines weren't available at that point. You know, Matt Murray, part of his story is he got COVID and has not felt right since then. So that scenario would be ripe for a lawsuit. And I just don't think, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know that. But as a layman, as a layperson, I'm looking at this and saying, I just don't think the league is going to go down that path. Now, the way I do look at it is this way. The league set up protocols at the start of the year based on the information that they have and had. That information has now changed. We have a new variant that is more contagious, clearly. And when that happens, you have to be able to call audible. So while John Cooper and Steven Stamkos and Alex Klorn are frustrated and they're saying we've done everything that, that has been asked of us, well, the situation on the ground has changed. It's like, okay, we're supposed to fly from St. Louis to Colorado We have this terrific plane that normally gets us there, but it's a blizzard. So right now we have to stay on the ground or maybe we have to stay the night and go the next day. We have to, we have to adjust to what the situation is on the ground. Like you talk about next year, who knows if next year we're going to have another variant that's as, as contagious as this Omicron, which is what they've shown to the, they have evidence that this is what it is. Like this is the, the variant that is, running through the NHL and these other leagues. And I'm just kind of, I I guess I just look at things a little differently, Greg, that like, what is the situation today? The situation today is we have a highly contagious variant, even though the players are mostly mild symptoms or asymptomatic, the, the highly contagious elements in this variant, that means that we need to change what we are doing from where we were at the start of the year. But a month from now, 
and maybe this is pie in the sky on my part, but a month from now, maybe if the variant has kind of run its course, we can loosen those protocols. And next year, who knows what's going to happen next year? I know that's not very satisfying for either sports fans or just anybody. I'm frustrated too. I would like us to be able to go back to September of 2019 and be where we were at that point, but that's not that's not where we are right now. And so, again, I think there are parts of, of looking at this where we are in agreement. I, I just think that the notion of letting an asymptomatic player who has tested positive knowingly get on the ice, I, I just don't see that happening. But what do I know? I mean, it may. I'm just telling you my opinion yeah, as no, we speak I mean, I today. Think, yeah, and it's it's valid. And I'm glad we're able to have these conversations in an honest way, you know, without – you know, some people throwing chairs at each other because I think sometimes <laughs> conversations lead to that. I'll end on this and then we'll get to, to E, get his yeah. thoughts, and then maybe we can wrap up. I think we're probably always going to be dealing with a different variant. And I think we just have to ask ourselves the question, what is the new normal in the NHL? Is yeah. it going to be more of things like this? Or Which is why we- maybe you need to look at giving teams leeway whether it's with the cap or maybe a I taxi think, squad, like I don't have the. Answer, I think that's fair. I, I actually think I actually think that's fair because through no fault of the teams, look, they didn't anticipate the salary cap being what it was because the league just decided to shut down. That's not the team's fault. Now you can talk about how they manage their cap up to that point, Dave, but I think teams need a lot of help. And apparently, Gary Bettman at the what was it? Was it the owners' meetings? That happened last week. Yeah, uh, a couple of weeks board ago. Board of Governors. Yeah, the Board of Governors. I think he was pretty bullish on the revenue that they were going to be bringing in the next three years to the point where the cap might be right rising five to six million, maybe even more. But I think you need to do a better job if this is the route they're going to go, Dave. And that's fine. If this is the route they're going to go, I don't think you can sit there and and penalize a team who has these outbreaks and needs to call up some players, but say, nah, you, you got to play shorthanded because you're going to be over the cap. That's yeah. shame on the league for that yeah. because that's not the team's fault. It's not. And I think that's something we have to at least take a look at. And I think you and I are certainly in agreement on that. Eric Erlinson from lightninginsider.com is up next. We'll talk to him about Ben Bishop, his legacy with this lightning team. And what does he think is going to happen when it comes to the Olympics as well? It's Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Hey, it's Seth Kushner from the Block Party. My guest this week, freshly retired former bold Braden Coburn. I talked to Braden about winning the Stanley Cup with the Lightning the first time around, being roommates with Chris Pronger, and we get to the bottom of why Coburn sent me a kissy face emoji the first time I interviewed him. It's the Block Party with Seth Kushner wherever you get your podcasts. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. We learned the lesson from last last game we played against them that uh, you know they play full 60 and can be sloppy all the time. And uh, I think we showed the last game that uh, you know we've been better. So and uh, no, it's not like you know get back at it. We're just trying to get two points. Yeah, try get two points. We talked about it before. Improved Ottawa team, but I, I get the sense that. You know, Tampa Bay is going to be a bit better than they were when the, the last time these two teams met over the weekend. But time will tell. We'll see how it all plays out. By the way, Paul Skurbina 
from the Tennessean tweeted this out just moments ago. The Preds are adding two more to the COVID protocol list, bringing that total to 14. Looks like they're recalling four players, two coaches from the AHL after putting 12 on the COVID list the other day. So uh, it's not going away for sure. I think it's interesting how the league handles it is probably the thing that I'm most intrigued about moving forward. But we're here with Eric Erlinson from lightninginsider.com. He's also going to be filling in for Jay Retcher tonight. The last call presented by Jack Daniels with Brian Engblom right after we are done on the post game. So make sure you stay tuned for that. E, how you doing, buddy? How's the car <laughs> first? Is it, did you get it back and is it running? <laughs> I, I don't have the car back yet. Oh, um, it's uh, for anybody that missed the uh, little tweet rant I had. My car overheated on Friday. They supposedly fixed it over the weekend. Uh, by Monday, uh, less than a half an hour after picking it up, it overheated again. Uh, I did finally hear back, though. It, it sounds like it's just a minor thing, which is hard to believe. But um, they said they've been driving it around and it hasn't been overheating. So I don't have a chance to pick it up today. So uh, hopefully I have better news tomorrow. Well, it can get expensive with cars, but you have a good warranty. Let's hope that uh, pulls through and uh, you're able to get that thing situated. And it's not even uh, Pat Maroon's warranty. <laughs> Well, you need more than that, for sure. <laughs> uh, e, there's a, a number of different areas we can go to. We were talking about the COVID. Let's save that for a bit. I, I want to talk to you about Ben Bishop, if we can go there to start. And, and Mish and I were talking about this the other day. Is it fair to say that Ben Bishop, looking back on it, is going to be one of the more important figures in Lightning hockey history based off of how well he played, and when this team really started to take off? No doubt. There's no doubt. I mean, when they acquired him from Ottawa, giving up Corey Conacher and a draft pick, you know, he, the book was still out on Ben Bishop. I, there was a lot of praise for him, and they felt that, uh, you know, people around the league felt that he could become a number one goalie, but there's nobody who thought really he could have been that way. Because remember, the Lightning actually passed on acquiring Ben Bishop the year before when he was available from St. Louis. And I remember Steve Eiserman saying yeah, he didn't feel comfortable giving up a second-round draft pick to get Ben Bishop. Um, but once they acquired him and what he did, you know, I, I compare it in a lot of ways to what Nikolai Habibulin did for a young team back in the early 2000s that he eventually led to a Stanley Cup title. Ben Bishop did a lot of the same things for a team that had you know, a coming Steven Stamkos and a Victor Hedman and, and some of the young players that were coming up. He provided stability. He provided confidence. He provided an opportunity for this team to learn how to win games because he would come up with some saves when, when they would break down. And I still think what he was able to do for this team from really from the 13-14 season up until the time that he was moved to Los Angeles is still a, a big part of the foundation of what they have now. Uh, it helps having his, you know, he mentored Andre Vasilevsky, but I, I think a lot of what Ben Bishop did uh, still comes through in how this team plays today. Can you think of another player who arrived via trade with one team, then left via trade, that had more of an impact at both ends of the trade? <laughs> No, no, no way. Uh, Steven Stamkos even brought that up uh, yesterday when I asked him about it. You know, he said, uh, you know, on the way in and the way out, 
you know, the, the impact that Ben Bishop had and, and really not giving up much. I mean, Corey Conacher was, uh, had a really good rookie season up to that point. Uh, we know that he didn't go on to have the career at the NHL we thought he would have. Uh, and then on the way out to bring in, you know, one part of the return was Eric Chernak and the role that Eric Chernak plays. Yeah, I can't think of – there's probably not many teams – you know, let alone this one that you can sit around and say the impact that one player had with the acquisition and also what they acquired when parting ways with them. But uh, obviously a huge impact on many levels with Ben Bishop. One of the things that stood out last question for me or comment on Ben Bishop was how glowingly he spoke of Rick Bonus. Did that stand out for you in what he meant to his career? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we got to know Rick during his time here and we understand what kind of a person he is and what kind of a coach he is. And, um, you know, for, for a coach to have um, a player's back and, and, you know, the way that they can really help. And you know, I mean, look, I'm sure that as many times as Ben Bishop was re- referred to as the third defenseman back there, he probably spent a lot of time talking to Rick Bonus while he was here. And then obviously during his time with Dallas, um, it, no, no surprise that Ben would have such glowing remarks for Rick because he's such a great person first and foremost, but he's a great hockey mind. And I'm sure as um, knowledgeable as Ben Bishop is, uh, he probably tapped into Rick Bonus many, many occasions, you know, seeking advice and discussions and everything uh, during his time with him. And, and, you know, Ben spent a lot of time with Rick uh, through the years. So uh, not a surprise at all to me. Last one for me on Ben Bishop. And I think now that he is retired, I think people are looking at Bishop and saying, boy, he had a great second half of his career and put up some incredible numbers. It wasn't that he missed a lot of games, but he missed certainly significant games in the playoffs with the Lightning. He missed the entire 2014 postseason. He got hurt in game one of the 2016 Eastern Conference Final, and he played through an injury but had to miss a little time in the 2015 Stanley Cup Final. Had he not been injured, how would we be looking at his career maybe a little differently as opposed to kind of how people are, are talking about him now? Well, um, I think there's no doubt if he's 100% healthy uh, in the cup final against Chicago. Look, they had a 2-1 series lead, um, you know, because of his play. And I think if he's 100% healthy, I mean, Andre Vasilevsky started game four, and, you know, he was a rookie then and, you know, admitted to some nerves at the time. Um, you know, they might have they been able to win that series with, with Ben Bishop. And I really, really believe, and this is not a knock on, on Andre Vasilevsky, but in 2016, you know, he gets hurt in game one of the conference finals against Pittsburgh. If he's fully healthy for that series, I think they bit, beat Pittsburgh and they probably beat San Jose to win the cup because when he got hurt, it changed the way Pittsburgh could forecheck because Ben Bishop's one of the best stick-handling goaltenders in history, and the way that he could change uh, how a team came in at them on the forecheck uh, and how quickly he could get the puck out. It wasn't the strength of Andre Vasilevsky at that time, and it changed how Pittsburgh could come at you. And, and I think, again, with the healthy Ben Bishop in that series, I think that they probably go on to win it uh, and we're talking about a much different situation. And, you know, then we are talking, you know, multiple cups beyond just these two teams, uh, the two that they've won the last two years. Uh, and, and probably uh, in a lot of ways we are talking about a dynasty team. But, you know, unfortunately that's what a lot of people will look at with Ben uh, because of the timing of the injuries. 
uh, when they happened and the importance of, of the games they ended up missing. Uh, but at the end of the day, his numbers and what he meant for this team, uh, he's always going to be part of Lightning lore. Uh, and, and to me, it's going to be positive on so many levels. Eric Erlinson from Power Lunch from lightninginsider.com joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. E, I don't think the Olympics are going to happen. And to be honest, at this point, I think that's probably the right call. I get the sense the players and probably everybody involved with the league is frustrated with how things are transpiring with outbreaks and players sitting. I don't know what's going to happen next year. I think there's a strong case. I made it to Dave that at some point, I think, particularly if you're somebody that doesn't have symptoms, if you're willing to play and you want to play, you will be allowed to play because I think you're going to be dealing with different variants every year at this point. But for this year, understanding that's probably not going to happen. What does the league do? Dave and I, I think, are in agreement. I think one thing you can do is give teams better options in terms of maybe a taxi squad or expanding the rosters so guys and teams aren't really that shorthanded going into a game. And I don't know if you can continue to postpone games. I'm just not sure that's feasible. What do you make of what's happening right now? And how would Eric Erlinson go about maybe handling this situation? Well, if somebody wants to pay me to come up with some opportunities <laughs> to, to make these decisions, I'll be more we'll than happy to do it. We'll fix your car. I'll fix your car. I'm going to leave more than that, Greg. Um, well, first of all, uh, 24 hours ago, I was with you. I, was, I would have said, there's no way. They can't go to the Olympics. It's not going to happen. But then, you know, you talk to those who are directly involved in how things are breaking out, and specifically when we had a chance to talk to Steven Stamkos and John Cooper, we know – you know, John Cooper will be the head coach of Canada if they go, and Steven Stamkos is hopeful to be an Olympian and go for the first time. They actually sounded a lot more optimistic than I would have thought um, because there are apparently some things going on behind the scenes in terms of discussions between the NHLPA, the league, the IOC, uh, the IIHF uh, in terms of the protocols. I mean, John Cooper even said, he said, look, we're gonna, it, it's going to be in a bubble. Uh, we spent 65 days in a bubble, so 10 days in a bubble is going to seem like nothing. So there was a lot of optimism in those who are directly impacted by how this is going to go. So uh, my optimism went up a little bit after talking to them yesterday. There's still a lot of time here. Um, you know, the deadline isn't until January 10th before the le uh, before the players have to make this ultimate decision. Because um, I think the one thing is we know how the vaccination rates are with the league. You know, we know that a number of, of players, we don't know exactly, but uh, booster shots have been, you know, you know, Steven Stamco said yesterday they've been boosted, so they have their booster shots here uh, with Tampa Bay, that, you know, it, the, the vaccines are doing their job in terms of players and anybody who's had it are either asymptomatic or showing very mild symptoms. So it, there's still time to learn and grow from what, we're going through. We, we certainly know in the last almost two years now how things change on a daily basis and, you know, things that catch you by surprise at first, you kind of have an opportunity to get things under control. And, and I think that's what the league is going through right now in terms of, uh, you know, this new variant that's uh, obviously much more contagious than, than the Delta variant. So um, I don't know what the perfect fix is. I don't know exactly what the right fix is. Uh, there's going to be varying opinions one way or the other, no matter how the league handles the situation. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, since 
you know, we're not hearing or noticing anybody getting sick in terms of those who have tested positive. I, I think with the taxi squad situations or expanding the rosters, I think that's one thing they're going to have to look at going back to because I think the biggest part or one of the biggest parts of all this is that it's leaving teams a little shorthanded. Um, you know, obviously you're trying to control outbreaks and, you know, I just saw Calgary <laughs> had a couple more players. I mean, it might end up going through that entire, you know, front office uh, or hockey operation staff, those that have been around the team. So, um, I, I, again, I don't know what the right solution here is, but I think eventually, um, you know, and you've seen some players say it, you know, we're not getting sick. We're not, we're asymptomatic. If we're asymptomatic, why can't we play? Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of those discussions come through, especially with the new uh, protocols going. You know, I guess that's going to be announced if it's not today or tomorrow, but it'll be in the coming days about how they're going to go back to some of the protocols from last season to try and maybe uh, catch this uh, from spreading too much. Um, but it's uh, to me, a lot of it is just a kind of a learning process, and you have to deal with it as it comes. I guess there are two elements here, Eric. There's what is the league going to do now in the nhl and then there's this olympics question and i want to you kind of touched a little bit on both but more so on on what the league is going to do or what they can do i want to kind of go back to the olympics do you think it's going to be a situation in which players are going to go but we're going to see some players opt out or there are going to be enough players choosing to opt out that as a union they will collectively decide not to go that's an excellent question. Um, I get the sense that I don't think this is going to be a full PA situation, right? Like the, the NHLPA is an organization, but I don't think it's going to be voted on by, you know, all 750 plus players that are part of it because it's, you know, the Olympics only affect a small percentage of that number. Uh, so I, I think what we're going to eventually see, because a lot of talk about, hey, you get that three weeks, you can make up some of these games in February. Well, it's not that simple because arenas are booked. There's logistics in terms of where some of these games have been postponed and, and having to get a team back there uh, in, in those situations. So it's not as simple as just saying, okay, we can plug these games into this three-week break in February. Uh, I, I think what it's going to uh, eventually come down to is it's going to be an individual situation. I think the, the league or the players are going to say, yes, we want to go, and then it's going to come down to the individuals. We know that Robin Leonard, the goaltender for Vegas, has already said he will not go. Um, you know, we know that some of the situations he's dealt with in, in his past and how he's overcome them. Uh, so he doesn't want to have to go through that situation and that stress. Uh, Eric Carlson came out and said that uh, some of the protocols has him thinking he probably won't go, but he didn't completely say no. But then you listen to Steven Stamkos and, you know, even with a young family and a, and a new baby at home, he's like, yeah, I want to go. I'm all in. I want to go no matter what we do. So I think it's going to end up coming down to the players will say, yes, we will allow them to go, but then it's going to come down to the individuals to decide who they want to go. And even if it's just a very small percentage of those players, I think that they are going to get to participate in the Olympics and then, you know, deal with it from there. Eric Erlinson joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play E. Moving to the Lightning, is it a given that one of the rookies is going to sit once Point and Kucherov come back? Um, I would have to think so. 
just because, you know, you know, I mean, Riley Nash is, is new to the team, so we'll see where he fits in. But they like that right-handed shot uh, as a centerman and especially as a guy who can kill some penalties, um, you know, and take some draws from the right side. Um, I, I think, you know, that's the way it's going to be. I mean, that's – I guess we got a little taste of it right at the beginning of the season when everybody was healthy that – Radish got the first two games, and Boris Kachuk got the third game, and then Kucherov went out, and it kind of changed things after that. But we didn't have Riley Nash then. You know, you didn't have him as an option as a fourth-line center. Um, so I, I would have to think that, uh, look, play dictates. You know, the players ultimately make the decisions on who plays and who doesn't. Uh, I think that the play of Kachuk and Radish have made those uh, decisions difficult when everybody is healthy. Um, but, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know who else you can take out uh, of this lineup to say, okay, you're not playing well enough right now. I, I think it's going to be a difficult decision for the coaching staff to do, but I think you have to look at, you know, rookies, and it's just part of the process. And, um, you know, meritocracy usually wins the day, but not always. So kind of a follow-up to that, assuming that Point comes back, I'm going to use him specifically because he's a center and nobody else is hurt. Who are the four centers? And and I'm not talking about taking faceoffs. I'm talking about playing the middle with with more room to skate theoretically. Well, I think it, as well as Steven Stamkos has played in the middle, being back in the middle for the first time on a regular basis in a number of years, uh, I think he moves back to the wing. I think Point and Sorelli are your top two centers. Even though we saw him pushed out to the wing, um, you know, for the second half of Tuesday's game against LA, and then you have Belmar, and then you know if it's Nash or Colton. Um, you know, those are those are kind of the guys that uh, you kind of look at as, as being down the middle. But what what Nash's presence does now is he gives options, right? And this is one of the strengths of the team over the past couple of years. You know, Barclay Goodrow was a natural center who played wing, and you know, for a couple of years we saw Yanni Gord play wing, even though he was a center. And you know, so I, I think John Cooper really really likes having two centermen on a line. And that way you have guys who can take draws, not just one guy, because we see the rate at which players get kicked out of the circles so many times. Um, I, I think that they like having the depth at center, uh, but I think those four, uh, Point, Sorelli, Belmar, and Colton, are probably your top four centers. Um, and then you just kind of mix and match in between there. Last question for me, E, when we talk about the back end, has Kyle Foote done enough in your eyes to warrant being in that top six come crunch time, or do you feel like it's going to be somewhat of a rotation with Bogosian, again, assuming everybody is back healthy? Unless they dress 7D, which I thought at the beginning of the year might be an option, but uh, the way the forwards have played, I, I still think this team is better suited for 11-6. and six. I, I think it's going to have to end up being some sort of a rotation in some capacity because Bogosian, as you know, I, I know we kind of watched him in preseason and thought, Ugh, where's his game at? Uh, he's been great. I think Zach Bogosian has been great since he's come back from uh, the injury he suffered opening night. Uh, I think Jan Ruda is such an underrated partner with Victor Hedman. He's never going to stand out to you, but he's he's really impressed me um, with the way he's been able to just play alongside Victor. And then we know when Eric Chernak is healthy, he's going to be alongside Ryan McDonough. Uh, so that does kind of leave Cal Foot out 
um, on a regular rotation as, in terms of regular ice time, uh, which is going to be difficult because you need young players playing, but you also need to win games. And, um, you know, so I, I think it'll end up being some sort of a rotation where they find ways to get him in the lineup because you don't want him sitting for too long. And we know he's no longer waiver exempt, so he's not going to go back to Syracuse and play games. Uh, so he has to get uh, the ice time up here. Well, E, good stuff, buddy. As always, we will see you in a few hours, and then we'll listen to you tonight on The Last Call, presented by Jack Daniels with Brian Engblom. Look forward to it, boys, and uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas to you, Thanks, too, Eric. buddy. You that too. is Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com. Always enjoy his analysis and how things are playing out with this Tampa Bay Lightning team. You know, it, it is interesting, Dave. We talked about the back end, and it feels like, there have been more stories written now about Cal Foot the last week or so. Players are talking about how much more comfortable he's playing and how much more comfortable he looks. And it's a really good problem to have. It doesn't mean I don't think Julian Breezewai, if he thinks there's a move out there to be made on the back end, would add some more depth. That may still be the case. But isn't it nice to see all these young players this year at least take the appropriate steps in their development to make decisions difficult for the coaching staff when it comes to playing time. That doesn't always happen, does it? No, and Rob Zettler was another one who was complimenting foot. I think it was during the road trip or when we just got yeah, back from right. the road trip. Yeah, he, he talked about how well foot is playing. So it is a good problem to have, and that healthy competition hopefully allows everyone's boat to rise on the water a little bit. I don't know if that's the best analogy, but you know where I'm going with that. So good for Cal. And you never want injuries. But as we've talked about, you know, when players are out due to injury, it creates opportunities for other players. And what are they going to do with that opportunity? And I think the young guys have answered the challenge. And to this point, they have taken advantage of the opportunity. They have. And it, it really is when you talk about the lightning everything working well for them, the injuries aside, for sure. But what I mean is they haven't missed the beat, and they have shown that they have enough depth, and it's young players too, in addition to the veterans, and that's a tribute to the development and the drafting this organization has. Dave, some teams have one, some teams have two, but it feels like the Lightning collectively as an organization have all the bases covered. That is unusual, and I hope people realize that when they're looking at other sports teams and other leagues. That's a rarity, to be able to draft well, to be able to develop well. Then, for those guys, once they get to the NHL, keep them for an extended period of time and actually win. It's a pretty rare thing in today's sports, and I feel like the Lightning are in just this nice rhythm. I don't know how long it's going to last, but you know, when we talk about kind of this golden era of Lightning hockey... That's a big part of it, being able to last this long, being one of the more competitive teams in the league, but also knowing that even in a cap era, you're drafting and developing well to give yourself a chance to still be competitive. I think it's something that people should just take a step back and, and appreciate. I know we do on the show, and I know fans do as well. So I do want to circle back to the Olympics real quick, Greg, before we yeah, go break, because this is something that... that Actually, my wife and I were talking about this morning, and she asked the question. I'm like, you know what? That is a good question. And the question was, how are they going to select the teams if players are unsure about whether they want to go? 
And it got me thinking about how all of this stuff needs to come together really quickly because there's a financial element where there's a penalty after January 10th. So that's one deadline. Also, the players are saying, we are going to be getting more information. Well, when are they getting that information that they need to make an informed decision about whether they want to go? But kind of that ball is in the air. And then you have the general managers who are trying to construct a lineup and who can they count on? Like, all right, we want Connor McDavid. Well, is McDavid going? If McDavid is not going, <laughs> who do we who do we pick instead? How do we build our how do we build our team? So there's a lot that needs to kind of fall into place here in short order. I don't think it answers your question completely, but I feel like I have read where the for the lack of a better term, the GMs who are put together for these countries, they're going beyond the initial playing roster. So they may be selecting 56 guys. might even be more than that, Dave. Mm-hmm. And then some of that will be, you'll determine who's, who's with you. Maybe if a guy just says, I don't want to play, okay, then you scratch him off the list. And so I, right. I, think, I think what they're doing is they have almost two roster. They're building a cushion. I think that's what they're doing. I think that's what they're doing. And I think that's the smart way to do it. But to your point, you could run into a situation. What if you have your first 26 guys (laughs) that say we don't want it to go, and now you've got to scramble to see, okay, do these 26 guys want to play? And if those guys don't want to go, again, I'm being extreme, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Do you have a a backup or a backup? I mean, it's, it's something to keep an eye. I do think they're giving themselves a cushion. But to your point, I'll be interested to see how this does play out. Uh, and even if the, some of the coaches, you know, for some of these mm-hmm. countries. Well, it sounds like John Cooper's. Yeah, I, I go. got the sense he wanted to do it. I got he the wanted sense to he do wanted it. to do it for sure. And we'll kind of see how that plays out moving forward. All right, partner. Great job as always. I will catch you at the rink in a few hours. All right. See you in a few. Thanks to Eric Erlinson. Thanks to Steve Ersnick. And thanks to you for listening. I am Greg Linnelli. We'll be with you again tomorrow, noon to one. You can listen to everything right here on Lightning Power Play.